Hello, everybody. Hello. My name is Shannon. I'm Alyssa. Welcome back to another episode of Hashtag, Hashtag Judging You. you. Um, we have some fun stuff Ooh, planned. Fun stuff. But I wanted to start with not a joke, but oh. a just a funny thing that happened that okay. I want documented somewhere. All right. It, was, it just made me laugh so hard. I'm excited. So, for those who don't know, I have a five-year-old. Uh-huh. He's pretty funny. He's pretty dang cute. <laughs> Thank you. Pretty dang cute. Um, but we went out to lunch on Saturday. Uh-huh. Okay. So, we were at lunch, and we were sitting in a booth, and it was pretty busy. Like, there were people sitting all around us, mm-hmm. and I don't want him to be the child that's mm-hmm. annoying other people, mm-hmm. right? Good. Thank you. Yeah. Good mom. Thank yep. you. And so, he was sitting on his knees and, like, leaning up on the table and being kind of wiggly and stuff. And so, I leaned over, and I was like, buddy sit your butt down Mm -hmm. and he kind of looked at me and like slowly sat back (laughs) and he goes did you just say sit the fuck down (laughs) i'm like no and tony was like but is that what you meant (laughs) yes (laughs) so funny he was just so serious (laughs) he's so cute it was really funny no hesitation yeah. just sit the fuck down that's <laughs> great i've had like because uh because shalice is worried about her son swearing because we swear a lot and yeah he's very good at copying and stuff mm-hmm. and i've always wondered if it was one of those things where you teach him like oh that's a that's an adult word and you can't use an adult word till you're an adult mm-hmm. and i like i feel like some kids would understand that and be like oh yeah i can't use it till i'm a grown-up like yeah. you know that would make a lot of sense you know and, or this one comedian was talking about how they their kids have to ask for permission to swear. Mm-hmm. And I was oh. like, that would make a lot of like Because they, you know, they, they save it for moments where they know, like, oh, is it permission to swear? The parents will go, nope, this isn't a good enough moment. And they'll go, okay, okay. Yeah. And, but then sometimes they have to be like, like, one time they were in traffic and they got cut off really bad. And the dad was like, oh, mm. and the son goes, dad, dad, permission to swear. And he's like, sure, son. He's like, that bastard. And he's like, yeah. I mean, that's exactly. Yeah. It's, you know, and he's like, I give him moments. But and yeah. I'm like, I kind of like both of those. You know, I would be like, that's an adult word. Yeah. You we can't usually say grown- yeah, yeah. that it's a grown up word. And he's pretty go. good about it. But I think ultimately... It's like, if you don't say it at school, oh, yeah. like, it's probably okay, it's probably you know? Yeah. Don't say it around the other kids. Exactly. <laughs> yep. It's our little secret. It's just... It's, Those usually, are at-home words. Exactly. <laughs> he's usually really good about it, but there we were at a friggin' funeral, okay, oh, no. for my grandpa <laughs> a year ago, and I don't even rem- remember what was going on, but we were in line getting food, you know, uh-huh. at the church, and my sister was like, Jesus Christ. And Adam was like, Jesus Christ! And I was like, oh, Lord bless him! Oh, amen! <laughs> so now he says cheese as rice. Oh, there you yeah, go. That's pretty funny. There you go. Sounds very similar, yeah. but yeah. I do a lot of the thank you, Bob. Yes, you know, thank, thank Bob. Thank Bob. Like Rugrats style, you yeah. know? Yeah, so. it's the only way to do it. Exactly. Rugrats style. Yep. <laughs> Alrighty. So, we've been talking for yeah. eight minutes Into of nonsense. Of this. I love your little story. He's so stinking thank cute. You, that boy you. is so fucking funny. He's <laughs> hilarious. I, he calls me Auntie Snack, and I love it. It's yes. so great. And it just happens to rhyme with your husband's it name, does. which is perfect. Yeah. Uncle Zach and Auntie Snack. Exactly. Like, it's it so good. It rolls off the tongue. It does, yeah. It's and beautiful. It's, well, yes. um, what I have for you today has nothing to do with children. Oh, okay. So, that right. was unreleted completely, mm, which is funny. That's so cute. So you I don't tell more stories about your son. <laughs> I will. I she will posts try. about him on Facebook all the time, and they're so funny. <laughs> they're so funny because I can hear him saying, "Like right, yep." So I don't know if you know this, oh. but um, I have been bombarded because I'm a Disney person mm-hmm. with Disney ads, right? And uh-huh. this is not Disney related either. This okay. is just how I found out. Apparently, we are halfway to Halloween. 
are halfway yeah. to Halloween. So this is going to be like a Christmas in July. Yeah. But halfway to Halloween. Okay. So we are doing spooky stories. Ooh, I love so, these. Okay, okay. Yes, I thought I'm it'd excited. be easy and fun. Thank you. I am currently getting ready for my niece's wedding. And so Shannon has been kind enough to get Take everything ready. Yeah. Yeah. I've been baking cakes nonstop for the last couple Told of days. It. So I just didn't want to watch a movie. So Thank you. that's all right. <laughs> so here we are. Spooky stories is just as, yes. like just as good. So I'm ready. Okay. So okay. I picked a bunch and then I figured I can let you like pick off of the titles. Okay, I think sure. I have like five. Sure. And then I got all of these off of Creepypasta mm. and I'm gonna put all the like the names and the links and stuff in right. the description so I don't have to read them because some of them are weird. Okay. Okay, so the first one we have is why I didn't shower for 21 years. Okay. The next one is life within. Okay. The next one is you look like my son. Okay. And then we have fractured. Okay. There's one more. The shadow in the trees. Let's do... How many do you want to read? How long are they? And that's why I was just kind of going to okay. gauge it based well, off of the Let's do Shadow time. in the Trees first. Okay. That sounds really good. I mean, I'm sure they all sound really good. They're very one, fun. That one really caught my interest. So. Okay. Shadow in the Trees. It was five years ago during the hot summer months in Texas. We were visiting my aunt in a rural area of the state, maybe a couple hours to the northeast of Houston. I had lived in Houston most of my life, roughly 15 years at that time. So the change in environment from large crowded city to less densely populated wooded area was something I wasn't used to. As much as I didn't want to be there, I had to. This would have been the last time my family would get to see her as she had grown gravely ill and there didn't seem to be any chance of recovery. Though how she left this world is something that I will never forget. The first Tuesday after school ended was when my mom received the call from my grandfather. Very soon after, it seemed like we were packed for a year-long expedition, despite us only planning to stay a week. It was my parents, my younger brother Brandon, our overly energetic chihuahua, and me. My dad had to drive the entire way there as my mom was in no state to, as she was beyond worried for losing her only sister. We probably traveled the entire way in only half of the time it should have taken. Once we arrived, an ominous feeling shot over me. I couldn't help but stare at the tree line. I tried to push aside the unsettling feeling and brought my bags inside my aunt's house, where we would be staying in the rooms down the hall from her. Even around family, there was still a slight atmosphere of a haunting isolation. The closest house was a couple miles down the road, which is terrifying. That's terrifying. I could not live I, in that like, kind of place. I would love to live in more of a, you know, like, homesteady, but I could see my neighbor across the street kind of a yeah. thing, you know? Like, I'd be okay not having, like, door-to-door or, like, uh, wall-to-wall neighbors, yeah. you know? Like, a, a good few yards or whatever, you know? Like, yeah. you know, but... I want people close by. Yeah. Like, I, I want I, someone I, to hear the screams. Yes, exactly. Someone, like, close enough to hear that. Yep. Yes. So, little little bit more space than what I have now, but no. Yeah, <laughs> Just, not that much. Not that much. Nope. It was late when we arrived, so I decided to try and sleep away this feeling. I shared the room closest to my aunt's with Brandon, so I guess there was a little bit of comfort. I laid down on what felt like the most uncomfortable mattress in the world. The springs felt like they were popping out of the cushioning and digging right into my back. The blanket was a carpet-like fabric, which personally, I believe, shouldn't be made into any kind of blanket spread. <laughs> And I had no pillow. The old house creaked and clicked, and just as I drifted into sleep, the door flew open, suddenly jolting me awake. It was my dad. You two come see your aunt real quick, he said. My heart was racing from the sudden jump. I got up and walked out of the room with my brother, following, and let him pass. But something made me turn around. Through the window, I saw a shadow quickly rush by in the small amount of light shining through. 
Maybe a raccoon or something, I thought. Through my aunt's door, my mom waved to me to come in. Seeing my aunt, I could tell she was really hanging on by a thread. She was only 36, yet she could easily be mistaken as someone more than double her age in this condition. Mm -hmm. She was almost pale white, and her usually thick brown hair had become thin and somewhat transparent. In a weakened voice, she called out my name. Chris, my aunt made out, come here. It took a moment, but I managed to take six or seven steps up to the left of her bed. There she said the usual, I haven't seen you in however long conversation. While she was talking, I noticed she was probably having trouble seeing me. Her pupils were cloudy and gray, and I really couldn't help feeling very sorry for her. Even if I've never seen her much, she was still family. After we were done with a small conversation, I returned to my room with Brandon and tried again to fall asleep. I finally found myself asleep, but soon I awoke, maybe an hour or two later. My dog was at my window barking his head off at something, with my brother right beside him. Still half asleep, I asked him, Brandon, why are you up? Still staring out the window, he answered, rubbing our dog's head to try and calm him. I haven't gone to bed yet, he said, a little uninterested. Mommy and Daddy just left to go get Grandpa Mike from his house. I didn't think much of what he was doing, but before I told him to go back to bed, he said something that sent shivers down my spine. Chris, do you see the man standing over by the trees? In an instant, I jumped from my bed and grabbed Brandon to get him out of the window. I took a peek at the edge of it and saw a shadow in the trees, and in that shadow were piercing white circles. I could only guess eyes, with an otherworldly presence coming from it. Then they disappeared, and the man-shaped shadow quickly faded into the trees behind it. It had to be some kind of robber or insane man on the loose, I thought. Now there was an overwhelming sense of danger, and we were in the middle of it. A 15-year-old, 7-year-old, a sick bedridden woman, and a chihuahua. My first instinct was to close the curtains and then tell my brother to hide under the bed in case the mysterious entity tried to make a move. I ran out of the room and into my aunt's. She was sleeping and still breathing. That was good. What I did next was probably the most insane thing someone my age in that situation could have done. I grabbed a flashlight and a large kitchen knife and then stood by the door trying to build up courage. I would normally just block the door during something like this. There was something slowly luring me to whoever or whatever was out there. I slowly opened the door and stepped back out into the warm Texas night. Before I could move, I saw it positioned right in front of me. It wasn't a man like Brandon had thought. It looked right at me, past my eyes and deep into my soul. From a crouched position, I saw this dark colored creature stand straight up within 50 feet from me. It was somewhat skeletal humanoid with dark gray leathery skin stretched over it. (laughs) I noticed the fingers were elongated with large overgrown nails that formed into jagged points. But the most horrific feature was its face. Along with the large white eyes, there was something of a smile stretching across its slender, scarred face, comprised of yellow stained shards of teeth with black gums showing, and the blood that flowed down over its face like tears. I was completely paralyzed with fear. I shut my eyes hoping it was an illusion, but the more I kept them closed, the louder the footsteps got. I began. <laughs> oh, that's spooky! Right? Um, I began to smell the strong iron stench of blood and hot breath on my face. I wanted to scream so much, but was afraid to even form the most pathetic of noises. I opened my eyes again, fearing of what would come of me, as it stared at me just inches from my face. It was hunched over, but still a good foot above my height. Who myself am tall for? Who myself am tall for my age? Okay. Yep. (laughs) It started making out sounds I could barely, or I could compare as a person loudly gagging, mixed with a deep demonic growl, yet it didn't make a move against me. 
At that point, I managed to make out a simple question to see if I could invoke a reply. What are you? I could see what could be jaw muscles in the scars on its cheeks start to move as it made out words in the same type of voice. Archangelus. Okay. I was astounded. Before I could make any kind of reaction, he disappeared in the blink of an eye. I was shocked with what I just witnessed. It couldn't have meant Archangel, could it? I quickly ran inside the house and locked the doorknob and chain. I went into the hallway ready to hide away from whatever that was with my brother. But when I walked into the hallway from the living room, I noticed my aunt's door was slightly open. I was beyond worried. I was hoping Brandon ran in there with her, but that hope was shattered when I heard our dog whimpering in our room. There was no way he would just leave him in there. When I entered the room, I found myself a guest to whatever act this creature was performing. It sat there, perched on my aunt's headboard, reaching down and wrapping its bony long fingers around her neck. Suddenly wings erupted from its back, large but not exactly bat-like, and they soon found a place wrapped around both it and my aunt. Before my view of her was completely blocked, I saw her staring directly into the entity's eyes, and by her lip movement I believe she had said angel. I soon saw a bright light and quickly fell unconscious, waking up the next morning in my bed. When I walked out the door I heard my mom crying in the room over. I turned to see what had happened and I saw her by my aunt's bedside, with my dad comforting her. Over on the right, as I walked in, I saw Brandon with my grandfather. What happened to Aunt Elizabeth, Grandpa? He asked this as he wasn't really familiar with a family loss, as he was still a bit young when our grandmother died. The only thing my grandfather answered back was with, an angel took her last night, before he began tearing up. This was the second person he had lost, my grandmother three years prior. All I could think at that point was angel, angel, just repeating over and over in my head. Soon after, I asked Brandon how I got into bed last night, hoping he would answer like he didn't know what I was talking about, and maybe it was just my imagination. I saw the tall man carry you into the room, he said. My heart stopped, so I did experience everything that night. I never shared my experience with anyone until last year at my wedding. I saw my grandfather just before it started and took him to the side to share the events of that night. So you've seen it now too, he asked. It was there when your grandmother passed. I came back from the market and saw it there standing on my porch. So now I know, whatever this angel is, it's involved with my family. I'm 21 now and decided to try and put that behind me. Yet today, that all too ominous feeling is back. Since then I moved to Los Angeles with my wife, but right now I'm in Massachusetts with her at the airport after visiting some historical sites. It's time to make our way back, but I just can't shake this feeling. I just hope we'll make it home before my birthday tomorrow, September 12th. I've decided to type this down so my story will be known. <laughs> Maybe you may find out you were once on the same plane as the crazy angel guy in this story. I just need to catch my flight. Flight 11. Oh. Sad, huh? Yeah. Uh, the ending. Dang it. Like, the whole time you're like, ooh, spooky, and then you're like, oh, Sad. Ominous. <laughs> yeah. Like, my uh, own stomach, like, dropped yeah. when I read that. But. Oh, my gosh. I... <sighs> Just, I can imagine, like, through the grass, just like... Right, like, the feet, footsteps like, getting closer. Things like that are the things that creep the shit out of me. Like, like spooky faces just being around the corner is... Uh, you know? Yeah. But, like, just the sound of something coming at you faster, oh my gosh, terrifies the fuck out of me. Right. Like... I just no thank you. Yeah. No, 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 no. Alyssa has quite a few things that are on her no no list. <laughs> yes. And rapidly coming at you is one of them. It's, so uh, way up there. Yeah. It's way yeah. up there. Yeah. It's, it's more not than just one. a jump scare. It's yeah. like scary. Yeah. Yeah. 
especially if you can see it that's horrifying like mm-hmm. coming at you like the movie mama have you seen mama yeah we went inside together yeah it's not scary no it's creepy but the couple of things that she was doing, I was like, that's on my no-no list. Like, what? Is, what? Like, her trying to, like, tear up through the, the mattress. Oh, yeah. I was like, no. No, thank no, you. no. That's not okay. And her, like, weirdly, like. No, no, no. And then coming at them. No, I was no, like, no. oh! Yeah. I, I mean, I never screamed and whatever. But, like, you know, it was just one of those, like. Oh, no, thank you. That is very much on the no-no. And, like. Yeah. I'm not a screamer. Like, I really don't scream during movies. Shannon and I did scream watching As Above, So Below, though, which is ridiculous because we were like, this is going to happen. 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 It happened! Like, yep. And we screamed. We we both screamed and we were like, ah, like. Yep. That was a fun day, though. That was a fun day. That was fantastic. (laughs) One of my favorites, though, is uh, The Lady in Black Mm -hmm. with Jesse and Natalie. Yep. That was so fucking good because. Jesse screamed, so Natalie screamed, so you screamed, and like, so Jesse screamed again, and like, everyone was like, what? And Jesse's like, what is everyone screaming about? And we're like, you screamed. And she was like, but then you guys started screaming, and I thought something actually scary happened. And we were like, no. No. That's funny. Oh my gosh. That was a good time. That was a good time. That was a good one, though. Like, that was creepy. Mm -hmm. Like, I tried to pick ones that were actually good, Mm because like, I went straight to the comments on a lot of them, and they were like, five out of five, that's so good. Mm-hmm. And then I read through it, and I was like, that's dumb. I know. Like, like, again, there's so many of these that I'm like, people think this is scary. Is Scooby-Doo scary? Yeah. Like, this is not scary. No. Like, like, is it a good concept? Sure. sure. Good writing? Yeah, yeah, I'll give it to you. It's not scary. No. No. Yeah, there were quite a few I read when we were reading some spooky stories back in October, but I was like, eh. Like, uh-huh. eh. like interesting concept, but it was like... Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There's a couple on here that aren't as scary, but like mm-hmm. they had weird enough twists or like something to them that I was like, okay. Yeah. I'm going to read it. There was one I read. It was so fucking long. It was so fucking long. And I got mad at the ending of it because I was like, this is really stupid. But yeah, it was just this girl who was like supposed to take care of this guy's house or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it was like very explicit, like, don't. If this door is open, get out of the house as quickly as possible. Like, if, or, you know, just all this blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah stuff. And she didn't follow through. She just started doing everything she wasn't supposed to do anyway. And then they were like, okay, it's your turn to be stuck in the house now. And I was like, okay. Okay. This is so, so like, you got to the end and everybody, like, in the comments were this is so good. This is so good. This is so good. And then you got to the end mm-hmm. where they posted the final one. And I was like, fuck that. Like, just, <laughs> I was so mad. Yeah. That's funny. But I'm like, I would also be that person that I'm just like, ooh, I have this super creepy, cool concept. Mm, mm, what do I do? What do I do at the end? You know? Yeah. Yep. That would be me. So. Yeah. I mean, I have a spooky story I'm writing, and I know how it ends. But, like, nice. I just got to actually sit down and write it. I have half a page. Nice. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so Good job. <laughs> I have a bunch of ideas of, like, scenes I want in my head. But it's like, how do you get to all How do you connect scenes? it? Yeah. And, yeah. Like. Writing's it's, hard. Exactly. Like, it's all the, it's all the fluff stuff. The, yep. the non-important but important because it gets them to where they need to go exactly. kind of thing, you know? That's like, what I'm bad at, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm just like, oh, okay. And then she gets up and takes a shower and then she <laughs> brushes her hair and then she goes to eat breakfast at the hotel. Like, just, you know? Yeah. But 
you gotta make that fancy sounding. You gotta you gotta do the oh, and I rubbed this shampoo into my hair, me 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 right. me. Because I read scents in my fingers. Yeah, yeah. Because you read all those other books where like I've i I'm reading this one that everybody in this like book club group that I'm in on Facebook was like, this is so good, and I was like, oh my hell, she gets kidnapped in literally the first three pages. Whoa. It, or like the first two or something, and like and they're not very big pages. Yeah. So like. <laughs> The conversations are so fast. Everything happens so fast and, like, weirdly talks about what outfit she's wearing and what music she's listening to. Like, like Fergalicious is one of the songs she says specifically. Nice. And I was like, I was like, how old are we now? Like, just, that is an old song. That is an old song, so. It's probably, like, a 15-year-old song. Something like that. It's yeah. gross. I asked my coworkers, you know, what, like, because I, I send them out text messages. Speaking of old songs, I yeah. send them text messages to say, like, hey, we're having this meeting, or I did this to the schedule, whatever, respond back with this mm-hmm. to let me know you read the message. Because I had so many times where people just wouldn't respond. Yeah. And I was like, did you get it? Tell me. To, yeah. And um, so I started being, like, adding something different and everything. And... I text everyone, send me your favorite, like, song that feels like summertime. Nice. Not, and a bunch of them just sent me a songs that were titled summertime something, no. right? And I was like, does that feel like summer, though? Summertime sadness doesn't yeah. feel like summer. Exactly. I'm like, does Ocean Avenue not mm. feel like summer? Mm. Yes. My summertime song, though, the second I hear this song playing, I know, I know it's almost summer, mm-hmm. which is The Remedy. Oh, I love that song. That song's so good, right? Like, oh. you hear it, you're just like, oh, the, the remedy, remedy is the, the experience. experience. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> that is it, right? And so I started, like, Eddie was like, wait, what's that song? And I was like, oh, I know you know it, Eddie. And he was like, I can't think of it. Yeah. So I pull it up on YouTube and I start playing it. And Sophia goes, that's like an old song, isn't it? And I was like, oh, my back. Like, I just, mean, yes, it And is. I was like, I was like, it's like 2009. It's not that old. It's 2002. Yeah. Jason Mraz is from back in the day. 2002. Yeah. And I was like... Because, like, I'm Yours came out in, like, 2008, 2009 or something like that. I was just like... Yeah, his old school music. Yep. And, but yeah, that is, that's my summertime song. You hear that? Mm -hmm. And it just sounds like summer to me. It's a good song. Like, it's just, like, I mean, not... It's it's the harbinger of summer, I should yeah. say. Like summer's coming. It's right fucking there around the corner. Yeah. That's my summertime, like, you know. I like that. Yeah. And I just like every time I hear that song, I'm just like, summer's almost here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I could hear it in the middle of winter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would go, Yep, summer's almost here. Like just, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's coming. But yeah, it's it's my summertime song and stuff. It's it's the one I jam out to every yeah. year. So yeah. But. How did we get here? Sorry, we were talking about <laughs> nonsense because Alyssa's nonsense. Oh, you're okay. So I'm just literally trying to connect the dots. Um, poor writing, Fergalicious, ah, Jason yes. Mraz. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Thank you for bringing the train back on track. That's how that's how my ADD brain works. I have oh, no, to I, I have to go it. back to my branches. Like yeah, that's, yeah. I get it. I get so, it. All right, yeah. that's Alyssa's ADD. That's okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um. Okay. Ooh, um. Do. You look like my son. Okay. Alrighty. You turned off the lights and we're like, yeah. It's like a spooky before <laughs> yeah. you know it. <laughs> okay. You look like my son. My eyes are in a fervorous affair with the clock and my focus is none the wiser. The police dispatcher is pleading for me to humor her inquiries, if for no reason other than to keep my consciousness afloat. It is so late and today has been so challenging. Nevertheless, I'll gratify her with my story because I'm really in no mood to tell it again later. Miriam Cliffington happened into our photo center again today. These visits are becoming relentless, as are the innumerable 
poorly photoshopped images on her SanDisk flash drive. Every day it's the same process. She perches at our photo kiosk, orders small batches of 5x7 and 4x6 photos, and crones over the photo printer as it squeals its mechanical protests. The unfortunate photo specialist on duty is then scolded by dear old Miriam. The color in my son's face is coming out too pale, and my granddaughter's dress looks much too washed out. It becomes as recitable as the Lord's Prayer. The project is then gifted to me, as I'm the only one who receives her limited mercy. This is due in part because I'm the only one in the store qualified as a professional photo editor. Also, I look just like her son. <laughs> At least that's what she tells me every time she swoons over the photos I correct. Personally, I never saw the resemblance. We have similar Hollywood-esque hairstyles, dark stubble, light eyes, and a fair complexion, but that's where the similarities end. Well, that is my general assumption. Truthfully, I've never met him. According to Miriam, they don't get along so well these days. Reportedly, her son has become what she calls a changed person after he split with his wife. That always seemed odd to me because nearly every day I am draining the red out of a new family photo that she zealously adds in her novice Photoshop sessions. It seems the family often stays in touch. Today we discussed more personal topics, such as my college degree and her family get-togethers. She told me she was celebrating her granddaughter Gracie's fifth birthday today, and she was putting together a photo album and baked goodies to send her. Today's photos were of the girl from her previous birthday. She had straw blonde hair, her father's bright blue eyes, rosy red cheeks, and a devilish grin that strongly reminded me of the girl from the movie Problem Child, too. <laughs> when the topic turned to me, being a graduate in multimedia design, she immediately began to give me the shakedown on my talents as a web developer. She wanted me to build her a forum-based website just for her family. She wasn't fond of the public limelight social media granted, but wanted regular updates from her son, granddaughter, their prized show horses, and images from all the reunions they've had over the years. I am not a fan of Miriam. She may treat me in a more humane manner than my colleagues, but she is always so bitter. She carries an air of importance about her, then mismatches who she is like a pug in a sweater made of silk. The last thing I want from a client is a beady pair of eyes reflected behind ancient dark-rimmed tortoise shell glasses, critiquing my every line of code with ignorant words laced with the smell of stale coffee and menthol cigarettes. Her gray-black hair was often wild and tangled, as if she was fleeing her home every morning to develop photos which contained the cure for cancer. Despite her lack of self-management, she saw herself as an expert in managing the talent of others. I never inquired about the specifics of her family problems, but I assume this attitude must cause the bulk of it. This sense of entitlement is something I don't blend well with. After endless barrages of questions about my rates, schedule, and ability to tutor her in Photoshop, I gave her my business card and told her to call me in a few weeks. Truthfully, I'm in my two-week leave period and on my way to a better job, and this was a simple method to evade her until I could never have to see her again. She seemed content with my proposal and took my card. I told her to forward my congratulations to her granddaughter on her five-year milestone. As she shuffled out of our store, I looked again at the refuse pile of discolored prints. If her family is so dysfunctional, why does she bring in new pictures of her son and granddaughter every other day? Why, as a spitting image of the son she frequently quarrels with, am I so reasonably treated by her? Those suspicions came to fruition a few hours later, when a 20-something couple dropped off a few rolls of 35mm film. They had matching black hair, the athletic build of bicyclists, and eyes that reflected deep kindness but an even deeper sense of fatigue. The lab's business was running slow today, so I was immediately able to process their order and begin development. 
The pictures showed the young couple celebrating another birthday. A boisterous banner that read, Happy Birthday, Mitch, hung above the electric blue neon minibar. The couple was shown holding beer bottles and laughing heartily. The entire set was quite like the photos most young couples bring in. There was a sloppy drunken kiss here, someone air guitaring on a table there. <laughs> I began to complacently press the print button after every six frames. Then I noticed a picture of Miriam's son. Even though I'd never met him, I had seen that face often. It was a face that was branded into the back of my eyes like the bright red digits of a digital alarm clock in the first few moments of morning consciousness. I was intrigued that these two may also be familiar with the eccentric woman who both frowned upon and adored her family. As I was packing up their photos and ringing up their orders, I decided to make conversation. So, you know Miriam Cliffington? I asked casually. Silence. I glanced upward, and the glance became a fixture. A paleness and shock had matched the exhaustion they both wore in their eyes. Are you okay? I recognized her son in your photos. The girl spoke, tears welling in her eyes. That's our friend Mitch. Those photos were taken a few weeks ago. He passed last week. This order is for his funeral slideshow. Her boyfriend spoke next, clearly unsettled, but retaining his composure as he quickly recited what I am sure he has gotten used to explaining. He and his daughter were found dead in Miriam's home last Sunday, poisoned. The police have been seeking her for questioning. Have you seen her recently? I was floored. I'm rarely one to lose my cool, but I began tripping over my words like they were raised on a high wire. Yes, I mean, she was just in here a few hours ago. She said she was celebrating Gracie's fifth birthday. I, I was working on photos for a new album. The girl spoke next. We need to call the police immediately. Gracie's birthday was the Tuesday before they were found. They don't enjoy visits with Miriam, but she insisted on being with them to celebrate. Call them I did. I spent the rest of my shift plus two extra hours conversing with a police detective and the couple. He asked me to print out the information we had on Miriam and if we had any other whereabouts. They inquired about the frequency of her visits, the types of purchases she makes from the rest of the store, her current appearance, and general abnormalities in her behavior. I gave them what they needed along with surveillance footage from the cameras we had hidden around the building. They gave me the direct line to their office and sent me off with assurance that I would call them immediately if Miriam came into the shop again. The drive home felt relatively non-existent. The thoughts of what occurred seemed to dominate my sense of time while on the road. Had this lady who compared me to her own son been responsible for his death? For the death of his daughter? Would I see her before the police? I arrived at my house in the same psychological state as when I left the store. I nearly broke my ankle while stumbling over a package that was placed in front of my entryway. I brought it inside into the light and saw that the sender's name said mom. I wasn't sure what the occasion was, but I assumed it was a late Thanksgiving care package. Regardless, it was good to receive mail from her. I wasn't sure where her new apartment was. Now I had her address. 6312 Prospect Road. Inside the package was a tin box of cookies and a neatly wrapped rectangular gift. I hadn't gotten to eat lunch with all of the police activity, so I immediately started tanking through the cookies as if I had skipped my last five meals. After my fourth cookie, I decided to wipe the crumbs from my hands and see what the mystery gift was. I unceremoniously ripped the red and gold metallic paper off what appeared to be a small photo album bound in black vinyl. I opened it with giddy curiosity and felt the blood empty from my face. It was a timeline of photos from Miriam Cliffington's family. These weren't the fun family get-togethers I had recrafted at the photo lab. I hadn't printed these at all. Page 1. Mitch and Gracie were propped against the arm of a tan leather sofa, daughter wrapped in father's arms. Their eyes are sunken and rolled backwards. 
and their tongues are lolled out of their mouths in an unnatural brown color. There's dried spittle and yellow foam caught in Mitch's black stubble, and a mixture of blood and vomit on the front of Gracie's shirt. The blood vessels in their faces are sickly blue, and their skin is pale and puffy. The photo is labeled, Tuesday, Happy Birthday, Gracie. Page 2. The bodies are placed in a maroon 2013 Toyota RAV4. They've been cleaned up and posed, Mitch in the front seat, Gracie in the center back seat. Their skin has continued to swell, so their eyes are puffy slits. Their now purple lips have been sewn shut and aside and side stitched into makeshift smiles. One of Mitch's arms is placed on the wheel and the other propped against the passenger seat in a pathetic wave. The label, Wednesday, taking Gracie to school. Page three. The bodies are now dressed in swimsuits and are posed around a kiddie pool. Mitch had to be propped up in an unknown manner that is cleverly hidden from the frame. He's on his knees at the edge of the pool in blue and white Hawaiian shorts. Gracie's in the pool positioned on her belly in a striped pink one-piece bathing suit with a matching swim skirt. Their hands are duct taped together Mm. and their skin has taken on a sickly yellow color. They're starting to bruise and darken in areas which have evidently been placed for far too long. The label... Thursday, teaching Gracie to swim. Page four. Mitch is now dressed in a handsome ivory tuxedo, which has a few off-color stains where his skin is starting to split open. He's at his kitchen table with a full glass of white wine and a lit dining candle in front of him. The sleeves on his arms reveal dark bruising where the tape was wrapped with his daughter's arms the day before. Gracie is not in this picture, but Mariam is. She's grasping one of his rotting hands in one of her own with a brimming glass of red wine in the other. She wears a motherly smile that sickeningly matches the sewn-on smile her lifeless son now wears. The label, Friday, dinner with the boy. Page 5. Gracie is propped against the wall, the skin of her arms ripped off where the tape was two days ago. Her face is beginning to lose its humanity, but is now coated in makeup worthy of a Little Miss Sunshine pageant. Her straw blonde hair is curled and bouncy, and her artificial smile is beginning to tear along the stitching. Next to her is an assortment of porcelain dolls, each made up and dressed with care, that is a bit too sophisticated for a five-year-old girl. To the far left of the frame, Miriam's reflection can be seen in a full-body mirror pointing the camera at the twisted salon she constructed. The label, Saturday, Girls' Night Out. Page 6. There is finally a full-frame photo of the house in which this sickening family montage was photographed. It is a modest one-story home in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. The paint is a simple white, and it is beginning to flake from a simple picket fence that marked the perimeter. There are no other homes close by that are visible from the angle of the shot. In the left of the frame, the stables of the prized horses Miriam mentioned are visible in the background. The gates are wide open, and the horses are nowhere to be seen. Police cars, ambulances, and yellow crime scene tape blocks the rest of the view, except for the mailbox. The address on the mailbox reads 6312 Prospect Road. The sides of the frame indicate motion blur and plastic paneling. Miriam photographed this from a moving vehicle, likely from far away. The label reads, Sunday. The family gets to see policemen in action on career day. On the final page, Miriam is standing in front of the house with the package I had just opened. The label, Thursday, dropping off goodies from my favorite son. In that moment of realization, weakness took control of my body. Not just from the imagery I was subjected to, but from a sickening feeling that burned in my stomach and intestines. Words from earlier were ripping through my skull. You look just like my son. (laughs) He and his daughter were found dead in Miriam's home last Friday, poisoned. 
I forced myself to scan the background of those horrible pictures. On the first page in Gracie's lap was the cookie tin I had just eaten from. This package was not from my mother. It was from a crazed mother who thought I was her son, guided to my home from the business card I gave her. Why, why would you have your personal address on a business card? <laughs> no. Why would you have that on a business card? I don't know. Okay. Now here we are. I don't think I have much time left. I'm starting to lose focus. My eyes are in a fervorous affair with the clock, and my focus is none the wiser. Maybe they'll get married and elope. Maybe I'll invite this dispatcher to the wedding if I make it through this. I vaguely realize that doesn't make sense, but I don't mind. I'm so tired, and now I can't stop coughing. I think I hear sirens in the distance, but I'm not sure if the ambulance has a cure for vomiting blood. Someone's coming up the stairs. I have to go now. Miriam is here, and she wants to give Gracie some swimming lessons. Okay. Mm, yep. First things first. Uh-huh. Throw up. Okay. <laughs> okay. The second I saw like that first page, <laughs> no, like I'd be throwing too. the fuck up, right? right? Barf, throw the fuck up. Yeah. Next, go chug half a bottle of hydrogen peroxide. Throw the rest of the fuck up. Yeah. Okay. Second or third, go chug half of your milk. Because that'll start absorbing some of, you know, the just lining, like the yeah. lining. That'll protect, protect your it. stomach lining. Yeah. Everyone remember this in case you're ever poisoned. Like, yeah. just, I would have been throwing up immediately. Yeah. Like, I mean, but th- that's a very fast acting poison kind of a thing. Because, like, I, me, I would have been like, oh, my gosh, I'm dying. Like, you know, like that's, yeah. that's how quickly that would have been. Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, that's spooky. Sorry. Crazy people okay. are so much scarier than real life, oh, or absolutely. than like spooky shit, you know, like oh, yeah, real life things are scary. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, they are. Like I just, <sighs> yeah, people are crazy, man. Crazy. I'm gonna do the why I didn't shower. Yes. One. It has kind of a similar-ish vibe. Okay. All right. Why I didn't shower for 21 years. I have nightmares where I'm trapped in a shower. The drain is plugged, and the water won't stop pouring down on me. Water rises to my ankles, to my waist, and then over my head. The shower curtain turns to glass, and my scream turns to gargles. A dark figure presses its face against the glass on the other side, and it watches me. I plead, but it won't let me out. I swallow water and flail helplessly in my glass coffin. I wake up gagging. I know where the nightmare came from. I never have to dig deep. It was the summer of my 12th birthday when the Hudsons moved in across the street. Three people, one of them a really old woman. She was tiny, frail, skeletal almost. Thin white hair, faded blue flowery dress. Her head hung from her neck and it wobbled as the man pushed her up the makeshift wheelchair ramp into the house. At the time, I couldn't figure out if she was alive or dead. A few minutes later, she appeared in the upstairs window, sitting in her wheelchair. She was directly facing my bedroom and I cautiously peered out from behind my curtains. Her head was upright now and she stared at me, just stared without moving her head an inch. I closed my drapes. For days, she sat at that window. She watched the cars putter down our suburban road and gazed at the neighborhood kids scurrying through their yards. I never saw anyone else in the room, never saw her move from that wheelchair. At night, I'd nervously peek through the crack in my drapes. Her silhouette was still in that window, lights off, staring out into the darkness at my bedroom. I couldn't tell, but I knew she was watching me. The stories about her cropped up pretty quickly amongst the kids in the neighborhood. That she was a witch, that she was just a doll, that she was actually dead, but I knew she wasn't dead. Sure, I never saw her move from that window, not once, and I never saw her head turn, but I felt her eyes move as she studied me. I could feel her watching me. All alone in my bedroom, in the middle of the night with my drapes firmly shut, I would wake up and shudder. 
Her eyes were on me. I just knew it. I began sleeping on the floor. The lower I was, the better. Maybe she couldn't see me if I was on the floor. I told my parents that the old woman across the street was creeping me out. I pleaded with them to talk to the Hudsons and ask them to move her to a room without a window. They laughed and told me to let her live out her twilight years in peace. She was just watching the street, they said, and that probably made her feel happy and feel younger. Are you just going to stick me in a windowless room when I'm an old lady? My mom laughed. Remind me to move in with your sister when I'm in a wheelchair. <laughs> a week later, there was some commotion at the Hudsons. I watched from my bedroom window as the man ran out of the house and opened up the double doors of the van. He jogged inside and he reappeared minutes later, pushing the old woman in her wheelchair down the ramp. She looked frailer than before. She couldn't have weighed more than 70 pounds. Her head was flung to the side, resting on her right shoulder. Her body jostled in the wheelchair, but her eyes never left me, watched me the whole time. The man picked her up and placed her in the car. He folded the wheelchair and stuffed it in the trunk. He quickly hopped into the driver's seat. The younger woman pounced into the passenger seat and the man put his foot to the pedal. The old woman's limp head still faced me. It bobbed up and down as the van reversed down the driveway. I studied her face. It was expressionless, emotionless. Her tongue slightly hung from the right side of her mouth, but her eyes were on mine and they stayed on me. The van accelerated down the street and it was gone. My parents heard the news that afternoon from other neighbors. The old woman's condition was getting worse and the Hudsons had taken her to some sort of a home. She wouldn't be coming back. I went straight to my bedroom and I looked across the street. I smiled. Her window was finally empty. The Hudsons didn't come back the next day. No van. That night I looked out toward the old woman's window. There was no one there. No wheelchair. But the bedroom light was on. I remember telling my dad I thought it was strange. And he just shrugged and said, must be on some sort of timer or something. I woke up in the middle of the night and nervously peered out my window. The bedroom light was still on. It suddenly flicked off and I ducked below my window frame. I slowly rose and looked out, expecting to see the silhouette of that tiny skeletal being. I watched for 10 minutes, pinching and straining my eyes. The lights quickly flickered on and then off again. I slept on the floor again, clutching my pillowcase. I had a late baseball practice that evening. When I got home, my house was empty. My parents were at my little sister's softball game. I headed to the shower to rinse off. After three minutes into my shower, I felt cold. The hot steam was escaping the bathroom somehow, which didn't make sense because I had shut the door. I wiped the shampoo from my eyes, turned my head, and I heard a strange noise that would haunt me in my nightmares for years. The metal rings of the shower curtain being dragged across the shower rod. Someone was slowly opening the curtain. The shampoo stung my eyes, and through the stinging I saw a dark figure behind the curtain. Long, pale, bony fingers gripped the curtain as it slowly opened. I instinctively backed up in the shower, and the curtain opened completely. There stood the old woman. I must have only looked at her for one, maybe two seconds, but at that moment time stood still. All these years later I still draw a vivid picture of the horrifying image in front of me. Disheveled white hair, crazy in her eyes, bones jutting out from under her stretched skin, stark naked. Blotchy skin, warts all over her body, skinny breasts hanging to her waist, hair where I didn't know people could grow hair. She smiled grotesquely, and I felt the shower tile against my back and the hot water pound my face. In her other hand, the old woman held a letter opener. August, she mumbled. August, August, August. I leaped past her, knocking her tiny body to the floor. I ran downstairs, naked and sopping wet, 
In my panic, I somehow remembered I was nude, and I yanked on a pair of shorts out of the hamper in the laundry room, sending the hamper crashing to the floor. I hightailed it on foot down the street, eventually winding up at a friend's house. When the police arrived, they found the old woman crumpled to a heap in the bathroom. The shower was still running. The policemen were all really nice to me, admiring me for my bravery. I told them what she said to me, August, and asked if they knew what that could have meant. It'll be August in a few days, one of them shrugged, and you can never really understand old and crazy. The Hudsons only came to our street once more to retrieve their stuff. The for sale sign was up in days. My mom told me that they couldn't face the neighbors for what happened. Apparently, they had taken the old woman, the man's mother, to a special home downstate. Somehow, someway, the woman managed to escape the home and caught a bus back to our town. It never quite made sense to me. She was so old and so frail. She could barely move those weeks that she lived in the house. How had she managed to travel hundreds of miles on her own? You can imagine what this did to me. I didn't shower for 21 years. I took baths, which I suppose aren't that different. It's still a tub, and it involves hot soapy water, but a shower with its curtain closed, water peppering the floor. You get lost inside your own head in the shower. Thoughts consume you, and it feels so utterly safe. For a few minutes, you're alone from the world. It's your own private misty kingdom. But that's what makes the shower dangerous. You're enclosed, vulnerable, naked. I talk to people about it, my parents, a shrink, but mainly I tried to push the incident deep down into places where I couldn't find it. I didn't talk about it with anyone since I was a kid. Life carried on. Besides the bath, I was a pretty normal kid. <laughs> a few months ago, something inside me clicked. I felt the urge to re-examine the incident. It was almost like a voice in my head was telling me to do it. My head wanted closure. I spent hours online one night trying to track down any information on the Hudsons and the old woman. I finally found what I was looking for, an obituary for the old woman. She had died four years ago. Somehow that walking skeleton hadn't checked out for another 15 years. Oh, shit. The obituary photo was a black and white picture from when she was a young woman. It was a photo of her and her deceased husband on their wedding day. His name was August and he looked exactly like me. I closed the browser and stared at my computer for 10 minutes. It finally made more sense why she called me August why she was obsessed with watching me. Maybe she used to write letters to her husband and that's why she was clutching the letter opener that night. For a small moment, I felt a little bit better. Things always feel better when they make more sense. Honey, is everything okay? It was my wife. I think so, I said. I took the first shower I had taken in years that night. I didn't even jump when the curtain rings dragged across the shower rod and my wife entered. But as she embraced me under the hot water, one question wouldn't leave my mind. How come the young woman in that photo looked exactly like my wife? Oh, yeah. Spooky. I know, right? Like, what? Yeah. Weird. That was a good one. There's one more that's more short than the other one. The that's other okay. one is like super long. So, um, this is the weird one. Okay. This is the one that's like not that spooky, but, but the twist, twist was like, okay. Okay. Um, and trigger warning. Oh. It gets a little rapey. Oh, okay. So, preface. Yes. This is life within. Okay. It's weird. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. My husband and I love each other very much, but just as most couples, we would get into arguments. Our biggest argument always revolved around a single disagreement, children. Hmm. I wanted children, but he did not. As the years passed, I hoped he would eventually come around and warm up to the idea of having children. Don't no, do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Get married to someone else. Yep. 
but he remained stubborn and wouldn't change his mind. I reminded him that if we waited too long, we'd never be able to conceive a child of our own, Good. but he didn't seem to care. Yeah. <laughs> I even suggested adoption and fostering children, but he wouldn't hear it. You're not fit to be a mother. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And you're <clears throat> still with him? Like right? His cruel words burned into my memory. I loved him. Why would he say such a thing? I wanted to carry a baby. I wanted to have a life inside me, a little piece of him inside me. I love my husband, but he doesn't have the right to keep me from doing this. No one can stop me. I threw out my birth control pills and I sabotaged his condoms. That should be illegal. It, that's rape. That, that, yeah, that's that is. assault. Like yep. you can't do that. If, if, it, if it's the same, like if a guy does it, that mm-hmm. is like it should be the same for a girl. She does yeah. it, but a lot of people don't consider it like that. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it should be. Yeah. I, Whoever is sabotaging birth control, it should be considered rape. Absolutely. Like, that should just be That's the law. non-consensual. Yep. Do not. Yeah. Ah. Yep. No. That's why I preface all of this. <laughs> but, um, sabotages condoms. As I prepared to seduce my husband into a frenzy of lovemaking and passion, my husband, who knew I was desperate for the chance to have a life inside me, discovered my plan and rejected my advances. Good. Good. My own husband said I was crazy, that I was becoming obsessed and losing my mind. I loved him so much. How could he say such a horrid thing to me? I'm his loving wife. That night, I cried. I never cried so hard in all my life. He didn't have the right to do this. I would have the life I craved. (laughs) It took me a week, but I had my next plan ready. This plan was foolproof. There would be nothing he could do about it. This time, he wouldn't stop me. After he returned home from work, I offered him a beer after slipping a dose of crushed sleeping pills into his drink. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Ugh. He, of course, didn't taste any of the medicine as he greedily downed the offered beer. That's why you don't drink beer. Yeah. Beer's gross. <laughs> Nasty already. So don't do it. Yep. Within 20 minutes, he was in a deep sleep, practically unconscious. Oh, fucking bitch. I dragged my husband into our bedroom and onto the bed. How? I don't How? Maybe he's small. He better be a scrawny ass boy and you better be a bodybuilder because there ain't no way. Ain't no. I've told Zach so many times. He is not allowed to have any kind of medical episode while we're alone. Yeah. Because I can't help him. Yeah. I can't. I can't get him on the floor to do CPR. I can't give him the Heimlich maneuver. My arms don't even go around him. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. all right, they do, but there's no, like, I just, I can't. There's no, yeah. like. I've told him so many times, you are not allowed to have a medical episode when it's just you and me. And he was like, I'll do my best. Like, okay. (laughs) I'm just like, I think the only fucking way I'd be able to move Zach is my dad has one of those floor car jacks. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way I'd be getting his body into a trunk. Yeah. Just be like, slide it under him. Be like, can't, 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 get it up as high as I could and just like flop him. Yeah. Like. Yeah, that would be. He would have fit in a trunk though. Just. True. Maybe my hatchback. You've got all kinds of issues. Yeah. Yeah. I can't murder my husband. Imagine pulling up to a hospital with him in your trunk. Oh, I was thinking murder. Oh. (laughs) Right. Like getting rid of a body kind of a thing. Like that's like. Murdering your husband. Yeah. Well, they always talk about like, you know, like, oh, she did this. I'm like, how? Yeah. How does she do that? I can barely lift a 10 year old. Like, and I weight lift, you know, like I just. Yeah. I don't understand. I don't. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. I stripped off his clothes and began kissing his body all over. You can't take this from me, I whispered into his ear. <laughs> That's so sensual. As he remained blissfully unaware of what was about to happen to him. <laughs> yeah. Hours passed as I had my way with his body. He didn't awaken from his drug-induced slumber. 
How much fucking yeah. sleeping medicine did you put in there? Seriously. All of it? Oh, yeah. Kill him? Jeez. <laughs> Not once did he feel his, my warm lips pressing constantly against his cool skin, enjoying every sensation I felt as I carefully finished my task. Mm. The bed sheets were soaked from my night's activity, but the fluid wasn't sweat. It was blood. Uh. My husband's blood. Uh. I sat on the floor of my bedroom, my back leaning against the foot of our bed. I ran my hands lovingly over my tight stomach, thrilled about the life that was now inside me. I wouldn't be able to enjoy the life inside me for the full nine months like most women, but the few days I had it would be the best of my life. It was no easy feat, devouring an entire human in a single night, but it was worth it. I finally have a piece of my husband inside of me. Uh, <laughs> uh, what? Oh my gosh. What? 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 I don't know. Okay. Yep. <laughs> that was the weird one that I was like, okay. okay. So, I kind of, I'm sad that we ended on that one. Oh, that's so trippy. Ah! She ate him. She ate him. Like, how? 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 Right? How do you do that? I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. Like, I can understand if she ate some of him, but she just said that she Devouring ate. a whole, yeah. like, human. Crazy people. I mean, because you can't, you can't eat the bones. That's just, no. that's too big. You can't even, like... No. No. Just the flesh. Oh. Well, the meaty bit. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a few uh, creepy creeps that for you guys. creepy creeps. Yeah. Oh, that was fun! Hopefully some of them were, were good. Yeah! I thought it was fun. Yeah! I have seen TikTok saying that it's halfway to Halloween yeah. with a few of them. So... So, happy yeah. halfway to Halloween. Happy halfway to Halloween. Hope you like spooky things, because <laughs> we are spooky bitches. Yeah, we are so. spooky bitches. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have, Have a, a great, great time. time. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. Let us know what you think by leaving a comment or sending us an email at bmoviebashpodcast at gmail.com. You can listen to our episodes on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Apple, Amazon Music, and Audible, or you can find the video versions on our YouTube channel. If you want to support the podcast, you can find our coffee link on our anchor page. Make sure to like, subscribe, and tell your friends!